0: Welcome back to another episode of Dance & Talks, a podcast released from Alive Story Amsterdam. I'm your truly host, Teresa Allen, aka Teaser. As you know, this is a podcast where we're interviewing different types of dancers with different styles from all over the world. Today, we're going to take a new spin on the interview and talk with an organizer. We are going to interview Ahmed Salsa. Salsa grew up in Dubai. He moved there with his family at the age of one and has Somalian roots. Growing up, he played football and other sports and always had a leadership role where he loved to organize. Dancing has been a part of his life from a really early childhood. Weddings, birthday parties, and when he got older, he found salsa and a couple dancing. 2007 was the first year that Akhen Salsa actually organized his first festival in Dubai. We're gonna ask him all about it. But for now, you already know what to do. Click that like button, Comment on the videos on Facebook, on our page, AliveStory.official, and don't forget to subscribe for the latest updates of all the episodes. Now, let's get it going. Welcome to this interview, Ahmed, AKA Ahmed Salsa. (laughs) So, yeah, you're right now in Dubai, uh, your home city. This is the city where you work as an HR and manager on a hotel on the Palm Island. Um, So just tell me a little bit, what are you doing? Uh, Who are you as a person in life right now?
1: Wow, that's a very deep question. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. I am. I mean, if I if I have to describe myself, I would say I'm, um, I'm a I'm an easygoing, fun loving, um, reliable, loyal, and someone who basically um, loves life. To be honest, mm-hmm. I mean, I know I know we all do, <laughs> but um, I love to I love to share, and I love care and uh yeah i I think my friends who know me really well will probably describe me as that i hope so (laughs) (laughs) but yeah yes it's true that i live in dubai for me this is this has been home i've been here ever since i was a year old i'm originally from somalia but i grew up here um i've seen this this country and the city grow um and i do yes it's true that i work for and i um an iconic destination here uh, in Dubai, not just in Dubai, but also in the Middle East. It's called Atlantis the Palm. It's um, it's it's one of the largest resorts in the Middle East. So uh, yeah, that's what I do. And my core function is HR, um, and I look after people's learning, learning and development. So um, I help colleagues, the four thousand colleagues that we have. I I actually work with them to, to, to help them basically become a better version of, of themselves in terms of their professional and personal development. That's what I do in a nutshell.
0: And I think that that's very interesting because we met because we are both a host and an organizer within the salsa and the couple dancing world. And what struck me most about you when actually you booked me in my dance group to come and perform, in your country was that you seemed so calm to be an organizer and um, and i always wondered like how can somebody seems to have everything under control to the extent that you have time to talk to us because a lot of organizers during a dance festival they're running around doing a million things and are kind of less like do your job and i see you later in the bar type of thing that you actually had the time to stop and talk with us and and I—that th- was the time when I realized this guy must be working with something that has to do with organizing or people because you seem to have it all under control.
1: I think the first time we met was in Lebanon, right? The, yes. It was. It was in Lebanon, and I was a host there. Um, and yeah, I, I remember. Um, I remember that trip. Uh, when was that? Was that three, four years ago?
0: When uh yeah i think I it think was it, maybe
1: 2017 or something 2017. like that that's true march 2017 in in, in beirut and uh, we just connected um yeah i I, and I said to myself you know i have to invite these folks to dubai they seem uh you guys also seem really friendly um i'm usually attracted to people who are um who you know who are passionate who are passionate, passionate about what they do, who love what they do, and who are friendly, uh, and who connect with the audiences, and, and that's what I lo- love to do myself. So that's why you resonated with me as a group, and that's why mm. I said, you know what, we gotta bring this group home. And how do I keep calm when I'm organizing an event? Um, I've started. Well, first of all, I started organizing events. I think my first major festival was 2007. 2007, wow. yeah, so that was a long time ago. And that was actually one of the, one of the, one of the biggest festivals I started with, maybe, maybe I shouldn't have, now that I, when I look back, I should have said, maybe I should have started small, but I went boom, bang. But by nature, as a person, I'm very calm. It takes a lot for me to really, um, you know, blow up, like they say. Um, mm. So I like to stay composed and collected um and I think what helps me is the planning because if as an organizer if you are if you plan way ahead um and you have things under control uh, not just on the day but you know from an early on time you will be okay but I like to keep control and a check of my own emotions you know so yeah as an organizer I think it's very important to be in touch with your own emotions and also to the emotions of the other people um, so that you can relate to them so that you can connect with them and and just stay calm because if you panic you know um the people around you will panic as an organizer so that concept really helped me over the years just to stay yeah. calm.
0: and and so that was the first thing i noticed about you the second thing i was wondering about was how did this <laughs> manager, hotel manager, end up in the dancing scene? Like, what happened? And and so let's just start from the beginning. Like, how did dance come into your life? Because it wasn't, maybe it was natural, maybe it wasn't, but I really want to know how dancing has been a part of your life from the start.
1: I think dancing for me, like... Um... Uh, has always been a big part of my, uh, of my life. I mean, as a kid, we used to always, um, we used to, I used to always look forward to the birthday parties, you know, when I was a little kid, you know, whether it was my birthday or somebody else's birthday, I just couldn't wait to, uh, for an opportunity to dance. And back then, um, it was not couple dancing, it was just, you know, hip hop and R&B and you just jump on the floor and do your thing. Um, uh, you know birthday parties and weddings and and dance has been a big part of my life for a very long time now and um, and and so dance Was I didn't really look at dance as a profession From a, from a from an early on age. I always looked at it as something that I really loved It was just a, it was just something I loved to do on the side. It was a hobby um, and fast forward the years and um, there was a time where I had stopped dancing because I was playing football. So I was into sports, and I was playing semi-professional football. Um, and then um, a few years later, I, I discovered Latin music, and uh, and the way I discovered Latin music was totally by accident, um, which uh, which which changed my life. And and I'm talking about wow, I'm actually talking about. It's been it's been many many years now. You know when I think about it, and the, it, the way it it evolved my dance my dancing life it's been incredible. From a young kid doing his, his own little thing on the dance floor, to to high school where we had a lot of dancing engagements uh, on stage, um, and then and then as an adult and moving on into the salsa world you know, starting off as, as as a beginner, like everybody else did in salsa, and then as an instructor, and then as an organizer, and then as a host. So I could see my whole life just evolve from stage to stage. And now it's time for me to give back to the community and to help new dancers and, you know, new artists and, you know, to give to give back to people um, and to the community that I love so much. So dance has been a big part of my life from a, from a very young age. Hmm.
0: What, how, did you, how did it make you feel when you danced? What, kind of, did you, what did you notice within yourself that made you wanting to come back to it over and over again in your life?
1: I think to me, life, uh, Sorry, dance is life at its most sensational moment. Now, what does that mean? To me, there are two types of people when it comes to dance. There are people who dance to the music and we have a lot of people around the world who go to class, for example, in the salsa world or bachata or gizumba, they go to class, they learn a repertoire, and then they go to the club, and then they dance to the music. Now, they might not be in sync with the music, but they dance to the music, which is cool. So that's one. Then you have other people who allow the music to make them dance. So those are dancers who basically connect with the music in a way where you can't really tell if, if, you know, um, the music makes them move. It's not them moving to the music, it's the music makes them move. So when I dance, um, I like the music to make me dance. So what does that mean? That means if it's a Cuban song, then I would dance Cuban. The music tells me what to do then if the music is mumbo, then I would dance mumbo. If it's kizumba, then I dance kizumba. And again, over the years, I remember when I first started dancing salsa, there was not a lot of bachata and the kizumba didn't really exist in our scene the way it is right now. And I remember I used to go to the UK Congress, one of the first Congress that I've been to when when the UK was the biggest festival in Europe back then, organized by a guy called Paul Young and Albert Torres and uh we were 2500 people in one hall and all dancing to all types of music including merengue so salsa merengue bachata it didn't it, it didn't really matter and it also did not matter whether it was on one or on two it didn't matter if it was cuban it didn't matter if it was timba it didn't matter if it was bachata moderna or bachata non-moderna you know what i mean well, it, it didn't really matter what the style was what matter was the music and if and the music if the music allows you to dance to me that is what music means to me and what dance means to me when the music allows me to do what i would you know something that i wouldn't be very conscious about it just takes over your body takes over your mind takes over your soul and takes you to a world that you normally would not be in if you
0: were not dancing. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people me included, um when I think about dance, uh United Arab Emirates is not the first country that I think about when it comes to couple dancing. Um uh, so um I think I it kind of need to address that like how was it? Like did did they um I don't know about the rules or the regulations or whatever but at some point, you must have started as a beginner to learn couple dance. Was it socially accepted? Could was this something you, people around you, could relate to, or you know how how did that work?
1: Well, the thing is, the world, the outside world, who don't know Dubai and who don't know the UAE, obviously, uh, sometimes what happens is people have a preconceived notion, right? They they have a uh, they they have a perception. About what the Middle East is all about, and since we are in the heart of the Middle East, we are part of that perception. So when people think about the, uh, Dubai and the UAE, they think, "Oh my God!" You know, they, they you know, a couple dances. How, how is that even possible? You know, uh, but on the contrary, um, when when people do come, just like you did, when people do finally come to visit Dubai and they see how open and liberal and accommodating um, this city is in terms of the in terms of dance in general. Um, the society here, first of all, like I said earlier, we have more than 160 different nationalities from all over the world. And because we have so many different cultures, um, you, you, all these different cultures have a huge influence on, on what happens on the dance scene here in Dubai. And people are very open. People are very open. People love music, even if they're not Latino. They love the Latin music, uh, including couple dance. It's very exotic. It's very, um, it's one of those dances, salsa, bachata, and and kizuma, or Latin dances in general are are really, really, really uh, so, so loved here. People love it, you know. Now, the outside world don't know that until they actually come here, you see. So, yep, we, we invite the world to come and see us and dance with us.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, but that's nice. I think that that is, like, that is important, you know, to, to talk about, because I, I think that, um, yeah, the outside world, as you say, like, oh, maybe it's not, you know, legal to go to a salsa class because you cannot mix men and women or whatever, but it actually do exist. And it, as you say, like, you know, you have one of the biggest uh, couple dancing performing companies, B&F, in Dubai. Yes. Uh, so... Of course, it's legal, and of course, it's like appreciated more than people think, as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 great that you mentioned BNF. I mean, I have a long relationship with BNF. Uh, I mean, me and Idol, we go back. I mean, Idol first came to Dubai in two thousand and seven, and he danced at my festival uh, for the first time. And since then, BNF's life has changed completely. In fact, they were. B N F and either would know this is the B N F. This was their first major salsa festival that they've been a part of, and uh, right after that, after after the Dubai festival, um, we, you know they they um, they actually won a prize. It was a competition. Okay, so I had a competition, and B N F won the prize, and then they went to Switzerland right after that because we we had partnership with Switzerland uh, with the with the Swiss festival, and life has changed and. What BNF has done for the dance world uh, in Dubai is incredible. You know they've contributed so much, and yeah, hats off to
0: them. Mm. Yeah, it's incredible. Well, they, I mean, they moved their whole dance company from Colombia to to Dubai, yeah. so that says a lot about the scene yeah. and the possibilities yes. within the scene. Absolutely. So, 2007, you decided to go from. Back then you had, I assume you've started to teach and you had like, uh, you're part of the community. Yeah. And then you decided to organize, but that's a whole different story. Why did you feel like you needed to organize a festival?
1: I remember back then in, um, in the early 2000s, I mean, we had an incredible scene, but it was a small scene. It was, it was really uh, intimate. And, and and we love that intimacy you know but in 2006 um, uh, i think i what i said to one of my other friends who used to organize festivals before me was like hey why don't we why don't we take dubai and put it on the map?" because i always was fascinated about um about dubai being showcased in international dance festivals especially when i started to go especially since i've been to to um, the UK because UK was the biggest festival in the world at that time. Actually, no, Los Angeles was the biggest festival uh, uh, the, in the world at that time, and UK was the biggest one in Europe. So what I wanted to do is to take Dubai uh, and put it on the dance uh, on the dance map the, uh, of the world. Organizing has always been a big part of my life. Even when I was in school or in college, it was just something natural that I would do. You know, I would organize. If I was in a football team, I would be captioning the team and organizing things with the team. Uh, If I was a basketball team, I would be, you know, organizing stuff in the team. Um, If I was, uh, and I remember in my high school, I would also, uh, I was the president of the students' council. So I was always organizing stuff. So the organizing element came naturally. But then the dancer in me, the desire uh, as a dancer in me, Continue to grow, I wanted to use my organizational skills and help the dance community, you know, grow from one notch to the next. That is how the organizer came about.
0: And what did you learn from that first experience?
1: Oh, I mean, it was, I think, what I, the biggest lesson I learned was to, um, I think, The biggest lesson I learned from that particular first festival was um, to start one step at a time. (laughs) And it's so important for you as an organizer to start one step at a time so that you can gain experience. I think what I learned was uh, you gotta, see, passion is important, but passion without a business Mind and experience is not a good combination,
0: (laughs) you know what I mean. That's a normal combination. Let's that's
1: (laughs) That's a a normal normal combination, (laughs) yeah. No, 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 what I'm saying is, if there's too much passion but very low experience, (laughs) you know what I mean. There's a lot of organizers out there who get very excited about an idea. Um, who, do, who sometimes don't do their due diligence because we are driven by the passion um, that we want to do big things but without the relevant experience you know um, you're opening yourself up to some challenging times and that's what happened <laughs> so my biggest, that was my biggest lesson is to try and um, take one step at a time and grow rather than go boom
0: yes, and and uh, you kept going. I mean, that's 13 years ago. Have you organized ever since then?:
1: Yes, I think except one year, I think we've been uh, we've been all, yeah we've had the festival every single year. I think w- w- one thing uh, one thing uh, one of my strengths is resilience. Resilience is so important because if you fail once, it doesn't mean you're going to fail forever. You might fail 20 times. You know there are people who failed so many times, and i and, and now I'm not talking about just dance. I'm talking about just in general. You know, every time you failed, you learned you learned a way, you learned one thing or one way that you should not do again. You know, so you keep, failure to me is not the end of the road. Failure is actually the start. So, yes, I've I've failed many times, uh, uh, you know, um, but I learned so much. And I grew as a a person. I grew as an organizer. I grew as a person. um, Whether it is relationships or it is just delivering quality festivals, yeah, you learn so much, you know. You learn. You learn from your mistakes.
0: Yes. And I think that this is interesting because I think that a lot of organizers can – you know, recognize themselves in others' mistakes. Can you tell me about one of these, let's not call it failure, let's call it learning moments. (laughs) Can you tell me about uh, one learning moment that you had where you were like, okay, Mm -hmm. I learned it uh, and I will not do that again?
1: Oh, from the (laughs) get-go, from, I mean, I remember in the first festival, I had invited one of the largest um, lineups ever uh, uh till, till this day, I haven't seen a lineup that has actually gone, gone above and beyond that. I had invited 50 of the world's top artists back then, at that time, people like Tito Tamara. Um, you know, I, I mean, I had so many, so many incredible artists at that time. And but then I said to myself, you know what, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to invite 50 artists all in one go all at the same time, you know, um, for many reasons. One is obviously the cost. um, And what happened to me on that particular event was so funny because one day before the show and we were doing a theater show, okay, and all these 50 artists from all over the world, from the US, from Europe, from everywhere, they were supposed to perform the next day. And at that time I used to work for British Airways. And I I felt very comfortable because I knew that British Airways was reliable. (laughs) You know, that flights would never get canceled. But what happened was the flight, a flight that carried 25 of those dancers got canceled the night before the theater Mm -hmm. show. And we had sold all tickets. It was a sold out event. And I didn't have 50% of my artists 24 hours before the show. So, obviously, as you can imagine, I didn't have um, enough. I didn't sleep. I did whatever I did. The resilience in me came out. I rebooked everybody, and I managed to get those. Leon Rose was on that flight, and Leon Rose was my point of contact because they were all stranded in Heathrow Airport. <laughs> so I, I, I moved on, to, and I went to Emirates. I said, I'm not leaving until you guys help me. This is what I. This is the situation. Somehow, after six, seven, eight hours of non-stop negotiations, we managed to rebook everybody. Everybody arrived maybe about two hours before, two to three hours before the show began. They arrived in Dubai, got straight to the bus. No welcome, nothing. Makeup change. They went straight to the theater back door. I'm announcing them. And my heart says they are here backstage and I don't even know if they're here. And I said, this is it. It's do or die. And I announced and they, they just go straight to the stage and as if nothing happened. Wow. You know what I mean? So things do happen. And I learned a lot from that experience is basically to have a buffer, a day or two buffer <laughs> to bring people in advance and not to bring such a lineup, a huge lineup as well. Again, I'm talking about 13 years ago, you know, 13 years ago. Uh, That's what I would do differently. That was the biggest lesson that I learned, you know. Expect the unexpected. That was the biggest lesson.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. Wow. I can just imagine, yeah, like your heart doesn't know if it's going to beat, you know, 100 times faster or not beat at all. Like
1: Yes, And, and as an organizer... Uh, all organizers will understand this. I mean, we, we, as an organizer, you're always, deep down, you're worried if, if everything is going to go as planned, you know, and sometimes you plan so much, but your plan goes out of the window and something else completely happens. So the question is, as an organizer, what do you do? Do you remain calm or do you lose it? What do you do?
0: Yeah, yeah definitely and, and i can i can again imagine that your manager skills from your other work experience have been like really helpful within the organizing in the couple dancing world what can you say that the dancing in itself have given you back into your other roles in life if you turn it around
1: if i turn it around i mean the dance world has helped me to be open to other cultures, to be tolerant, and um, a, a, and have a higher degree of acceptance. Because when you're dancing, you don't really care where this person is from and who they are and what do they do. Uh, and sometimes, on the dance floor, we don't even ask people, "Hey, what do you do? You know, what's your name?" You know. Nobody, no, nobody does that. Oh, internet!
0: It doesn't
1: matter where you. Huh?
0: sorry the internet cut off say it again
1: oh um, in the dance world it doesn't really matter where the individual is from that you're dancing with you know it, it doesn't matter if the person is a CEO or 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 uh, or any other profession in life it doesn't really matter right so that's what really helped me so that that is what the dance world has given me and when I go to my to my uh, to my uh, to my to my uh, that's what I use that's what i that's what I actually um uh, use in that world is basically a sense of openness and um tolerance, yeah, so yeah, yeah, that's what the dance world is taught me
0: and I mean there is like uh in anything to do with dance, whether you are a background dancer or if you own a dance school or if you're organizing an event, theres countless of hours spent on you know. Uh, crafting your passion or uh, working on your craft, basically. Um, when has it been a moment for you as a dancer organizer where you felt like, this is why I do this. This, is, this moment is exactly why all of those hours are, are worth it. I think as, as a
1: dancer, as an artist, I love to see the joy of the people, you know, the, the joy on people's faces when I'm on stage. And I remember when I used to perform, um, when, when I dance and I see how happy people are uh, watching that, that dance or even teaching them. You know, I could see them transforming um, from the person that I had just met to a person that is completely different, someone who has a higher sense of confidence highest self-esteem, um, you know, I have seen over the years and I can actually literally think about some people who when I initially met them in, the, in, in at the beginning of their journey and, or, and with time I've seen those individuals grow um, in, and to become in, incredible people, <laughs> you know, um, I remember this particular um, friend of mine. He was very shy. And um, I um, I remember meeting him uh, in the club for the first time. And he wouldn't talk to anybody and he wouldn't dance with anybody. So I, we connected and he came to my classes. And uh, and slowly but surely, I could see his confidence level increase. And then the, uh, fast forward a couple of months and I look at the guy in, in the club and I'm like, and I could see this different person, of course, for the better, who's more positive, who's more outgoing, um, who, and who is actually reaching out and impacting other people around him in a positive way. That is when I know that this dance is, 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 is really, this is what I love about this dance, is it, it really helps people come out of their shell, you know, of shyness, flow, so sometimes of low confidence, to become a better version of themselves, to be also more tolerant and open to the world, and be a, you know, so I've seen so many incidents of that over the years where people have have changed for the better.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that that is like it goes. It's connected with why maybe I'm I'm, I'm assuming now, but why you also started to host to kind of like light up people and like change people's mood and change people's perception of things um at least as a host myself in dance battles i i was always like the one looking at the host and thinking oh why am i feeling a certain way and could i do it better could i make people be more open and more sharing or more screaming or whatever how has that Cause, do you remember your first host gig and kind of what happened with you there? Why did you want to do hosting?
1: Well, I, the thing is, I've all uh, for me personally, I have I've been on stage in one way or another. You know, I remember even when I was in school, um, I wasn't hosting an event the way we host an event in the salsa world, but you know, um, I was always on stage whether I was a part of a dance troupe or a part of a school choir of some sort. I love the stage. For me personally, I love the stage. But the stage helps me to connect with people and and, and give some of my energy and my passion to the audience. And it, it, it it's really amazing when I see people respond. When people respond to that, it, it makes me happy. It makes me feel that I have I've given something to them that they would cherish and they will remember for a long time to come. You know, and uh, kind of light. It's just a spark, right? So uh, I light it as a host, what you do is you light a spark and then you let it grow into, into a beautiful flame, you know, where everyone in the audience kind of responds back to you. Because the energy that you give as a host is the energy that you get back. That's what really got me into, into hosting in the first place. Um, I just love sharing. I just love sharing with people. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: And as uh, a as an host, who do you aspire to be? What kind of character? Because we all have like a, we go into a character, more or less, even though we are ourselves. But what kind of host do you want people to remember you as?
1: You're right. I mean, that's a that's a really good question. I mean, there are so many different types of personalities, right? Uh, and you, the the host that I would love to be, or for people to remember me, is someone who is um, who's comfortable on stage, someone who can connect with them. As if, let's say, there are a thousand people on uh, in the audience, I would love to be the host who every individual in that, in that thousand feels that I'm talking to them individually, one-to-one, and connecting with them heart-to-heart. For me, there are, there, are, there are three. Every time I host, I ask myself three questions. What do I want the audience to think about? How do I want them to feel? And what do I want them to do? <laughs> so if I answer those three questions, every show that I do, um, I usually connect with the audience in a way where they will, re- where where people remember me, and I remember them as an audience because you know to tango. <laughs> because a host without the audience is 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 really nothing. And what I really, what I really love the, uh, I think, I think, I think that's it. I would love people to remember me as a host that was uh, articulate, that was fun to be with, and probably maybe they've learned something from him.
0: Mm. Yeah. And I remember when we were at your festival, because you were also hosting on your own festival, at least a part of it. Um, and do you think it's the same vision you have for the festival and overall, the, the, the latest ones you've done? What is it that you want people to take away from that differently than other festivals?
1: I think for me, the, um, the okay, when I first started doing festivals, I was doing it on my own, right? So I was the only mind around. And, and I think it was just too much for one person, one mind. Uh, yes, it's true that I, I had a vision and that vision is still there. But now what I love to do in festival is to do collaborations with other like-minded uh, organizers. Um, and I think in unity we can grow. So um, this clip that I shared with you is basically a festival that I organize with with a group of friends um, uh, who uh, who we who share the same passion and same vision that I do in May, in, in 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 taking in taking a festival um, from 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 where it is now to hopefully something really big and huge in the future, so that we can get so that we can take this festival um, and expose it to so many people around the world. So to me right now, I think it's all about collaboration because I think all of us collectively, if all organizers work together, we would grow as a community. Uh, If all MCs and hosts work together to help one another, we will all become better hosts and it's not just a competition between the hosts. Same thing with the DJs. I've noticed this thing with the DJs as well. DJs, sometimes what happens is there's a lot of competition. It's not just the DJs, but sometimes what happens is there's a lot of competition between artists and DJs and hosts. and They shouldn't be, really. I mean, we should all be working and collaborating with one another um, so that we can become better at what we do. Not necessarily bigger, because success is relative, Right. (laughs) What is success for me might be very different from what success is for you. It's not always the largest number of people who've attended. So as an organizer, I've heard organizers say, oh, my event has 500 more people than this person's event. So I am more successful than that person. To me, that's not true. To me, uh, I think um, a successful event is, is an event, no matter how no matter how many people have attended, you would want all those people to be the biggest advocate for your event and the you know the power of the word of mouth right if those 10 people or 20 people go and bring another 20 people without you influencing them then you've done something right which means people are actually looking same thing with all the hosts all the dj's all the artists all the instructors i hope and i wish that all dancers and all these different artists will actually work together to make every festival a success, not just their own festival, but equally contribute to other festivals around the world.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think that a lot of organizers could really uh, share tips and tricks that they have used on their festivals. And also because you are in so many different countries, um, that it's different struggles, different challenges in different countries. For example, in Sweden, the weather is always an issue. We cannot automatically, um, you know, plan to have a pool party. It doesn't work like that. You know, we could, like, we had snow in May last week in Sweden. So it's it's like a whole uh, a whole thing as an organizer. Yeah, and I remember talking about that um, that. You on the festival we attended had a pool party and you actually had to be in a certain region to be able to do a pool party the way you wanted to do. Um, What are some of the things that you think is unique challenges for an organiser in your country compared to other countries?
1: I think compared to other countries, um, it's just the timing. For example, in Europe, um, some of the festivals can go up to five o'clock, six o'clock, seven o'clock in the morning, and um, the pool parties. Sometimes there is no limitation in terms of the pool party. People can just go crazy. They can dance. They can dance all day if they have to. Whereas in, in in my country, we can't necessarily do that in the same way. I mean, there are some events that can that can do it, but the majority of the events cannot. For example, we cannot dance. Beyond three o'clock in the morning, so all parties have to close at three. And when people come from different parts of the world, they come to 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 the Middle East or to Dubai, to the UAE. They're expecting that. They're expecting for the parties to finish at five or six or seven o'clock in the morning. And um, I know there are a few festivals who who do finish now at about four or five o'clock here in the UAE, but not all festivals can do that. You know, so when it's in Europe, it's just a given. It doesn't matter. (laughs) No matter who you are, no matter which festival you are in, they all finish uh, early morning. Um, uh, Also in terms of uh, uh, the restrictions, for example, DJs, for example, in Europe, they can go down and they can dance with everybody. You know, they can dance with everybody on the dance floor. But uh, here uh, it's not the same. We have rules and regulations that do not allow the DJ or the singer who's performing on stage to to, to to come down from the stage and to dance with the audience. That's not allowed. So the DJ and the singer is supposed to entertain the audience from the stage. But the audience is not, suppo- is not allowed to come on the stage. And the DJ is not allowed or the artist is not allowed to go to the floor here. You know what I mean? So it's a bit different compared to Europe as well. Um, but these are a few, uh, I, I wouldn't call them restrictions, but they're different. They're, th- these are very different things, different challenges that we have here uh, on the ground versus what uh, uh, versus the salsa scene or the bachata scene or scene in Europe. So.
0: Yeah. No, but this is interesting because, as I said, like every organizer has different... Rules and regulations and also different styles because you also have Kizomba in your festivals and Kizombis you know are night owls like they basically don't go out partying until 12-1 o'clock and they stay until 6-7 in the morning which is completely different from Salsa people so it's also how do you balance like you know a festival with different styles because every style has their own culture.
1: True. And again, I mean I remember when I first started salsa, it was just salsa. There was no there was no bachata community and kizumba community. But I think as times have changed, as organizers, we also had to adapt quickly before we before you become irrelevant, you know. So you have to innovate and be in touch with the changing trends of what your what your customers want. So now what the customers want on the ground. Is Kizumba do not want to mix with Bachata or with Salsa. They want their own room. You know what I mean. Uh, same thing with Bachata. Bachateros will go will go crazy if you put them with the with a Kizumba or a Salsa audience. Same thing with Salsa. Salsa is the same thing. I mean, uh, Salsa, hardcore Salseros will just want to dance Salsa. And then Salsa is another story. You have on one and an on two, <laughs> and the Cuban, and they don't mix either. So. I think as an organizer, you have to basically listen to listen to your audience and just give them what they want. Because if you understand what they need and you give them what they need, they will enjoy your event. Yeah. But if you, but sometimes what happens is organizers would would say, No, I personally don't like Izuma, for example, or Bachata, and I will only have salsa. Now, he might be, in, if an organizer does that, then he'll be, he'll be completely missing out on huge communities out there that could have been easily part of their festival, easily. You know, so it's all about bringing the communities together rather than dividing them. It's good to give them different rooms so that they're all happy, although it's difficult to keep everybody happy, but at least you've catered to everybody's taste. And everybody's happy.
0: (laughs) Can you uh, describe like uh, one of the weirdest or funniest moments you have with a guest on your festival? Mm. Because it is a lot of people, you know, like a lot of guests are, as you say, like wishing for certain things or coming up with some some strange requests sometimes. But I can imagine you have encountered a lot of different type of guests uh, throughout the year. Whereas an organizer? You sometimes might stop and think, "This is not what I signed up for. This is not, <laughs> this is not what I expected."
1: <laughs> mm, I'm just thinking. I mean, I've seen so many, so many things over the years. I was trying to remember one thing that stood out. Maybe, like, mm, I think, I think the funniest, the funniest one was. Um, I think, and this is many years ago, so I had a guest who came uh, in the middle of the party and he said, um, excuse me, where is the Zouk uh, music? I said, Zouk? He said, we don't have Zouk in the festival. He said, no, but somebody told me there was going to be Zouk, and I bought a full pass only for Zouk, and we didn't have anything to do with Zouk in that festival. So I said to him, well, to be honest, I mean, we don't have any Zouk, but if you like Zumba or bachata or Salsa, then there's plenty for you. He's like, no, uh, I was told I was going to get Zouk. Somebody told me this is a Zouk festival. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know who told you, but this is not a Zouk festival. I wish, <laughs> I wish it was. I wish it was. But um, so I refunded the money to that individual. Oh, you know, wow. I said to him, listen, it's, I give you a choice. Um, and, and it's good that he mentioned it on the first night before it was too late. Um, so I said to him, what would you like to do? This is what we have. Okay. I don't know who told you that, right, because we didn't advertise for Zook, but um, if you'd like to stay, you're welcome. If you would like to leave, then um, I will give you your money back. He was like, really? I said, yes. I said, okay, um, I will leave. I said, "Okay." Here's your money. Thank you very much. So,
0: wow. Yeah. That's a, that's a high-class
1: organizational move right there. But he came back the next year. The next year, he was into bachata. <laughs> you see? So, so the thing is, is uh, some organizers, might, somebody else might have said, no, nope, you paid for it. I'm sorry. I'll, that's it. Take it or leave it. But you, and, and he said to me uh, the, the following year, and we actually became friends after that. He said, somebody else wouldn't have you. I really appreciate the fact that you gave me my money back and I will always be there for any festivals that you guys do. So I'm like, thank you. You're welcome. Oh, that's yeah. nice. So that was a, nice. a, a, it started as a strange moment, but it, it ended up in a in a good moment.
0: Wow. Wow. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. And I think we covered a lot of different interesting topics here. Um what what would you say to somebody who's maybe out there thinking about you know after this COVID nineteen is over to organize their first festival or you know uh, creating an event? What would be your top three advices for these people?
1: I think what I would say to that new organizer is uh, collaborate. Don't do it on your own. Um, uh, you know look up for people who you feel comfortable with and who you look up to and who you aspire um, uh, to, you know, whose knowledge and experience you you, you would like to also learn, learn from. So collaboration is one. Two is be open for change because um, life as we know it will, will be very different after COVID-19. Our dance world will be very different as we know it. So to do your homework, to do your due diligence, uh, to know uh, and to understand what your customers want. So do your homework, understand what your customers want, because at the end of the day, if you do an event, you're not doing it for you alone. Uh, you're not to satisfy your ego. You're doing it um, to spread joy and happiness uh, you know, for people. So, so collaborate and be open to change. And then the third one would be, um you know, work hard, not just work hard but work smart because you know there are a lot of organizers who work hard and they put in a lot of hours and sleepless nights and you know they worry so much and they're about to have a heart attack, you know so you, it's important to work hard, but to me it's more it's even more important to work smart. Um, to work smart and um, so that's three and if I give one bonus one, um, is is just, to, is just to be humble, uh, to be humble and reach out to people, um, not just the organizers, but also uh, to, your, to your audience as well and connect with people because people, I know organizers who have tried so hard to organize events, but for, for, for some reason, they cannot get their event off the ground. And the, one of the main reasons is is they're they're not connected with with the people. Because at the end of the day, you are organizing an event for the people. And if you're not connected to the people, how are they going to respond to you? So connect with the people. That would be the fault and and a bonus.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. That's amazing because here you are, as I said, like 13 years of experience in this field. And you're really talking from you've been doing it not just been talking about it so thank you for sharing and um, now as like a rounding up question I want to ask what's the future? Who is uh, who is Ahmed in 5-10 years in the same?
1: Wow, I think um, well, Wow, who's going to be uh, what's the uh, future? I think Ahmed's future would be to, to continue doing what I'm doing, which is basically uh, continue to give back and support the future future generations of organizers and even host. Actually, you know, helping people become MCs and hosts is not something that a lot of people have taken on board because we have very few MCs around the world. I mean, I can count them at the tip of my fingers who actually host a lot of the festivals around the world, you know, uh, and what I would love to do in the future is, yes, continue giving back to the dance world, in any way, or form, or shape I can, and also to to build um, a new generation of organizers and MCs, and also coach people. I would love to coach people. You know, um, new dance, new dancers, or new um, uh, DJs, or new, um, especially new hosts. You know, share with them some of the knowledge that I have. So that we can continue to grow the legacy, not just me, but many, many other um, senior organizers have done over the years so that our events can continue to evolve and become better and bigger and more entertaining because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about, entertainment, right? Education and entertainment. So, yeah, that's what I would do in 10 years from now, coaching, helping, um, you know, the next gen- the
0: next generation. Good. Uh, then you can write my name on the top of that list for volunteers that want to be in that network because, as you know, I've been organizing a lot of, um, or hosting a lot of dance battles in the hip-hop scene. Um, yeah. and, and actually, I haven't gone in so much in the couple scene, even though I am a kizomba dancer myself. So yeah. when you start up your network, Please add teaser into the list of people because we're going to get the Salsa hosting going. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it would be my pleasure.
0: Woo. Be my I'm pleasure. excited already. It's my <laughs> all right. So thank you so much for sharing all this knowledge. I'm going to leave the, the mic to you. Is there anyone you want to shout out or anything you want to say to the audience as a finish up? For this interview at a live story,
1: I just want to give a big shout out to my friends in the uh, well, all over the world. Um, wherever you are, um, this mess, you know, I just want to say a big thank you for your support throughout the years. Um, and a special shout out to my brothers here on the ground in the UAE, people like um, uh, Joe, uh, Yudia, mostly Hani, um, and obviously the BSK crew that I work with. This this clip that you will see is, uh, is a clip of the Central Latin Festival that we've actually started. It's a new version. It's a new rebranded uh, name and um, I'm working on this festival with uh, with Hani, Joe, uh, Sarge and Fadi. So just a big shout out to the Central Latin Festival crew and uh, hopefully we will have many more uh, successful festivals in the future. So enjoy the clip. And thank you so much. Thank you for this wonderful interview.
0: Thank oh, you so much. Thank you, too. Thank you, too. And if anyone wants to contact you, is there any particular website or you know social media where we should connect with you?
1: Oh, it's easy. Just go to Facebook, Ahmed Salsa, and uh, you'll see me there. And uh, go to Instagram, same thing, Ahmed Salsa, as well. Uh, yeah, just hit me up, and I will hopefully get back to you.
0: Awesome. Thank you so, so much and enjoy the rest of this weekend. Uh, and I hope to see you very soon as after this world crisis is over. Need to see you really soon again.
1: I will, yeah. Uh, thank you so much for everything. We, we will yeah. be back stronger soon. We will be back. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you.